Hump Day Quickies Swingers Confessions is intended for mature audiences only and contains explicit language and sexual situations. This is not intended as any professional advice. Welcome to Hump Day Quickies Swinger Confessions. Here in the sex apartment, we share our own sex positive stories and welcome our friends to open up about their experiences in the ethically non monogamous lifestyle. Aussie Kate from the Wonderless Swingers podcast joins us to have a discussion about how she and Daryl got into the lifestyle, and she shares some of her favorite lifestyle traveling adventures. And we're back. Welcome today, Kate from the Wonderless Swingers podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for not saying swinging down under. You'd be surprised that people. I was going to get to it. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Still say swinging down under. I'm like, "Mm, it's been a couple of years. We've changed our name, but thank you very much for having me on the show. Yes, welcome, welcome. I'm going to have a hard time focusing with this accent. Somebody said that to me on the weekend. I was sat there. We were having a bit of a picnic um, meal at about 2 a.m. back in the hotel with a couple of other friends. And um, I was like, blah, 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 the, you know, like the doona. And they were like, the fucking what? And I said, well, you know, the doona. And then I just kept carrying on. They're like, we don't understand what you're talking about. I'm like, the thing you're sat on, the doona. And they're like, oh, the duvet. I'm like, nah, doona. <laughs> so, and then I said something else about a donga, which is a converted shipping container. And they were like, a donga? What is it with you people? Donga. <laughs> I'm like, everything's just super chill down in Australia. Like, we just don't just add knee art to anything, and we, it's good. I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah. Fair, Fair enough. How long have you guys been in the lifestyle? And I say you guys because your co host slash partner is Daryl. And I That's will fun. say that you are by far the most entertaining duo that I have listened to. And I spent Ooh. a ton of time laughing, and I know you'll never repeat that to him. So. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a tough thing to swallow. You're giving your audience members a real big crack at our podcast, and I don't know if we can actually keep up. I disagree. That. I cannot think of an episode where the two of you were on where I was not spending the vast majority of the time laughing along. Thank you. Uh, so yes, my partner is Daryl. We've been in the lifestyle now for nine years. I'm not great with dates. I also think we've been married for five or six, together for thirteen or fourteen. So I'm going to say around nine years in the lifestyle. But I'm not one of those people that has the hard and fast date in my head. So. Um, Sorry, but I think nine. And don't worry, because I have the same problem when I'm like, I'm, it's 20-something. I don't know how many, but it's it's, <laughs> yeah, tw- right? it's around 20-something. There's an element of time involved. So how did you guys get started? Because you just said together for 13, then lifestyle for nine and married for four or five. That's an interesting point to get into it. Yeah, I think we were probably monogamous for around about, again, around about, there's going to be a lot of this, around about five <laughs> years before we started talking about uh, anything lifestyle. And it was born from a conversation about fantasies, but that was also born from a conversation about what do you want to get out of life? Daryl and I were friends before we actually got together. And we'd always talked about where do you want to live? What do you want to do You know, when you grow up? Um, still have that conversation today. Uh, and all of those sorts of things, right? And he came home one day and he was like, okay, what do you want sexually? Like, what do you want to get out of life? And uh, I deadpan couldn't answer him. Was it just that you didn't have any sexual fantasies at all? That is exactly the nail on the head. I just hadn't thought about it. If you'd have said to me back then, 
what do you want? And I could have been like, okay, like, okay, average. I definitely wanted a dog back then. I'm going to tell you that right now. I wanted a dog for like 10 years. So I probably would have said, definitely want a dog at some point in my life. Definitely want this. Definitely want to travel the world. Want these things. Want that thing. But outside of that, absolutely no idea about sexual fantasies. And I thought at the time that that wasn't really something you thought about. It wasn't really something that you discussed. So having this conversation was a real bit of a mindfuck, if I'm going to be honest, because I was like, oh, wow, that's something that I'm lacking in myself. I don't have these sexual fantasies. And everyone else around the world's talking about these wild, crazy sexual fantasies that they have. And I'm just like twiddling my thumbs going, maybe I can just borrow yours. Because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not creative enough to think of my own. And that's kind of how we started looking on the internet and uh, went from there. And honestly, I think probably if you still Google it right now, you'll probably find multiple in the top 10 or top 20 that's all about multiple partners, mm-hmm. threesomes, playing with people of the same sex, mm-hmm. identity and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of why it came up and then a thought of what would that look like? And that's how we got started. It was very much a me Googling the top 10 or top 20 most like common sexual fantasies that people have and just systematically going through the list and being like, mm, no, yes, no, yes. And kind of then taking that list away, very nerdy. And then watching some porn and going again, like, that's interesting. That's giving me the ick. That's good. And I'm researching from there, to be honest. And then we went to a swingers club in Sydney and we're at the swingers club and somebody said, what's your handle? And I thought that had some sort of connotations to puppy play furries or something like that. And I was like, handle? And they're like, yeah, on a local swingers dating site. And I was like, there's a whole dating site for people that do this. So that was kind of how we got into it. When you did your porn search, I have to know what gave you the ick. <laughs> You know, you can't really answer this without yucking somebody. I know, <laughs> I know. And as I said it, I said, oh, maybe not. But yeah, no, it was, you know what it was? It wasn't necessarily probably giving me the X, not the right term. What it was, was that we were watching things and I was going, okay, that's turning me on. Mm-hmm. And that's not right. That's probably closer to what it actually was. Or we'd see like people just jump straight into bed or like they'd walk in because uh, we used to watch uh, Playboy Swing, right? Mm-hmm. They'd walk into the mansion, walk out to the pool. Next thing, she's sprayed eagle getting like gone down on by five different guys and she doesn't know their name. And I was like, okay, that's probably a little bit too far over the line for me. Like yep. a little bit of a warm up, you know, that sort of thing. So that was probably more where I sat with that's turning me on. I like the look of that. Probably too far. Not for me. Names are a great start. I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just touched on something that's interesting. Right now, there is a big push by a lot of people saying, hey, you can't say you're not into that or you're going to, like you said, yuck someone's yum. Yeah. But we keep talking about this going at the same time, you're attracted to what you're attracted to. You're interested in what turns you on. It shouldn't be a problem for you to go, eh, that doesn't turn me on. I don't want to be part of that. I honestly think it's a connotation of then, I mean, yucking somebody's yum in definition is kind of pointing at them like, that's disgusting. Can't believe you like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll use splooshing as a as an as an example. There was a club in Sydney, and I remember they were doing a splooshing party. And at the time, I was like, "What the fuck is splooshing?" You know, go to go- handy Google. I don't, I'm curious. Don't about worry, we're Google. getting to what the fuck is splooshing after you finish the story. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, do I? Am I the only one here who doesn't know what splooshing is?" <laughs> Food play. It's like the sloppy throwing spaghetti. Oh. Like cakes and cream. And, I would have completely all. guessed something else, but I like splooshing. Se- Fuck, sexually, that is one wait, of my things. Sexually, <laughs> yeah. though? Like in a sexual? Yep. Okay. Oh, yep. So they see, covered the, I always they heard covered it as wet and messy. Club. Well, there you go. That's probably number 10. But they covered the, the swingers club with like tarp and they had a splooshing party. And at the time I was like, okay, that's not for me. Like yeah. that kind of food play. Um, I also have a very sensitive pussy. And so I was like, wait, sugars and sauces. Hmm. pH nightmare. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. There, you there you go. That's splooshing. Okay. Uh, yeah. This seems to be stemming from the bi-male play. 
And Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going, oh, we can't be around that. And then other people are going, how dare you walk out of the room when that happens? Right. And the answer we tend to give people is you're not forced to stick around and watch anything you don't want. If there's two people you don't find attractive, you don't have to stand there and go, well, I guess I'll just suffer through this. It's you kind of are welcome to come and go as you please and enjoy what you want. And like you said, you don't need to stop your feet and yell, that's gross, and then slam the door behind you. Yeah, exactly. I think we've been in circumstances where, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you some examples. We were at a swingers club one time and there was a very, very over the top lady being very performative and that was her thing she loved that that was definitely something she got off on and i spoke to her later about it by the way and she said yeah i'm being performative like i'm not that loud that's a performative she owned thing it. wow oh 100 she's like yep hell yeah being that exhibitionist drawing that crowd being that over the top crazy lady in the club she loves it i was in the room at the time and i went okay that's actually impacting my current play it's taking my mind mm-hmm. off things so mm-hmm. yeah i'm just gonna you know politely go find a room but to your point am i gonna walk and tell her to shut the fuck up. Am I going to give her the evil eye? You know, no, I'm not going to do that. And we've seen that too. We've heard. Or drag the rest of the room with you and be like, oh, she's too loud. Everybody come with me. You know, you're not convincing other people to hate it. No. And you can take a break too. You can go back and and get a, get a drink refill, get a water, go to the bathroom, do whatever you're doing. And then, you know, circle back and that play might actually be winding down and then you can kind of carry on your place. There's definitely room for everybody. I mean, bisexuality is definitely something that can be a taboo subject, especially the fact that it's very one-sided in lifestyle. So, um, you know, I would go as far as to say with me, with my events, with who I am, I kind of actually do applaud people that are having bisexual play in an open play space because it does show other people that this is actually okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you go to your first swingers event and that is your introduction into the lifestyle? Yep. How did we discover a that there is a swingers club and be that, ooh, this should be our first step. Because we didn't know dating sites existed. Um, <laughs> because normally now I'm like, oh, put get yourself a profile, you know, start talking to people. I do always say to people, though, you can also go to a club and be a wallflower. Mm-hmm. And that was our full intentions, by the way, foreshadowing that didn't happen. But we were, yeah, looking through and there was like threesomes, foursomes, orgies, moresomes. One of the things on this was going to a swingers club. And I was like, I wonder if Australia has any swingers clubs. We don't have a lot. We've got kind of one in every major city. I found one that was uh, not too far, maybe 20 minutes. And that was the first one that popped up online. And we thought, okay, let's go. And we found a newbies night. We thought, okay, that sounds perfect. That sounds right up our alley. So let's go towards that. And at the time, there wasn't a hell of a lot of resources out there. There was, I think, four or five podcasts globally in English that were talking about swinging. We were kind of looking at what to do, what to think about and everything else. And so that was why we went there as the wallflowers. We're just going to go. We're going to play pool. We're going to talk to people. I'm going to feel it out and see what it's like. You did foreshadow this first event. Not a wallflower. (laughs) Not a wallflower. I actually had a freak out. So we went too far. We were like going to be a wallflower. There was a stripper's pole and there was a bit of a performance. And there was a couple that we were talking to and I ended up kissing a lady and they were like, let's go to the hot tub. Gullible little me's like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I got my bikini on to go in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's sexier to take things off. I get it. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh yeah, got my bikini on and go into the hot tub. And then everybody else is naked. And I was like, what the oh. hell? <laughs> But not only was everybody naked in the hot tub, on the other side, and this is a very small hot tub, by the way, I'm kind of giving it the visuals like it's this cascading amount of space. It's not. It's a very small hot tub. But on the other side, there was a guy like getting his dick sucked by two ladies and there was another guy like coming from behind and like balls just slapping. <laughs> but I was right at the edge of the hot tub at this point. So I was pot committed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can't oh, just yeah. be like, 
oh, and then turn around and go away. So I gingerly got in with this other couple and we were just sat there talking for a little while. And then, yeah, like there was some kissing and stuff. And then I had a moment of like, what the fuck is happening? And I got up out of the hot tub and I was like, bye everybody and just left. And meanwhile, Daryl's still in the hot tub. Like what just happened? You know, so he had to like rush out too. And, and then I was like, just get dressed, just get dressed. Let's go. Like what is happening? How is this real life? I think it was the slapping balls. It kind of hit me over the edge. Going into this, had you had any female experiences? Yes, I had actually. Okay. Kind of experimented, you know, I say in my youth, but I was 28 years old when this happened the first time. So still in my youth, kind of had a little bit of experimentation, but I think it was just the realization that there's just this happening and these people are here and that's going on in the other corner and just like, I don't know, it was kind of almost like just an overload of emotions. Did you guys walk into that with any rules or just, hey, we don't need rules because all we're going to do is watch? Oh, no. We went in there with rules of let's be a wallflower. Um, So if you hear Daryl tells this story, his opening line is, we went to the club for the first time, Kate broke a fucking rule. Uh, and, and then he just leaves the silence, right, and just lets people kind of marinate that for a little bit. I like to ease people into the story. You see, he just goes straight for it. So that was the rule. We're not going to do anything. And by me kissing another lady, I broke that rule. Now, he's not pissed off that I kissed another lady. The anger or the upset all the emotions came from the broken rule. So shortly after that, within the first couple of months, we actually stopped having so many of these rules and boundaries. And instead we shifted quite quickly over to the let's have conversations about stuff. Now, how does that work for you guys? Is it a conversation in the moment or is it a, this must happen beforehand? No, a bit of both actually. Something we started doing a couple of years ago is we will, in the lead up to an event or a party or a night, we'll say like, what are your hopes for this evening? You know, well, what are your hopes for the event? You know, do you have anything you're trying to cross off the list? And so that's when we kind of start helping the other person kind of understand where our headspace is. So arguments, like if I turn to Daryl and I'm like, yep, want to gangbang, definitely want to kiss or be with three ladies, want to have a session with five ladies, want three guys. If I said that to him, he said, okay, well, that's kind of where Kate's head's at. And he can be the wing person for that. Or I might say- It's one hell of a night, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That was over three days, you little (laughs) slut. It's a multiple day event. Okay, okay. fair. All right. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. How, how early is your event starting? 2 p.m. <laughs> and yeah, and that helps him be a wing person, helps him understand where my head's at. Or I might say, I want a bit of a lead up or I'm really hoping for some personal time with you or I really want to meet a couple that we have a bit of a slow burn with and then play with. And we do the same thing. I'll, I'll ask you know, him, what's he uh, hoping for or looking for? But we're also very much communicating in the moment during the event, during the night. I think it's fair and reasonable that you would have a little chin wag with your partner and not feel ashamed about doing that. Yeah, that's something that we've kind of carried on doing now. We don't get it right all the time, by the way. Um, Horribly, horribly wrong. How difficult has the lifestyle been for you and the relationship? That's a bloody good question, actually. (laughs) No, no, that's actually, that's a real fucking good question. Um, (laughs) Actually, it's been really hard. Wow. Wow. You've you've floored me there because I was about to say to you, nah, mate, it's like super good. Everything's great. No, it's been hard. But I think what's added to the level of difficulty for us is moving internationally. When we were in Sydney, we had a local club, you know, very Aussie. Everyone was around. We started to build this community in the local Mm -hmm. area. Then, stupid idiot me, went and got a promotion and we moved to Singapore, right? And then all of a sudden we're kind of thrown into this very multicultural, no clubs in Singapore, high transient area where, hey, we don't have a community anymore. We don't have friends anymore. 
And then you'd meet an awesome couple and we started asking the question, like, how long's your contract? Like, when are you guys here for? And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, five, five years. And then I swear to God, six months later, they'd be like, we're back on rotation. We're going back home. Oh. So that was really tough. So those those five years in Singapore were really hard for us. We made amazing connections to people that lived everywhere else around the world, except for where we were. So there was always this like eight, 12 hour flight we had to get on. So I would say the lifestyle itself has been great, built a lot of friendships and all the rest of it, but has it been hard for our personal journey? Absolutely. How do you transition from, okay, we'll be a wallflower to, okay, now we're going to host a podcast? <laughs> that was Daryl's decision, actually. And I tell you what, and he loves telling this to people too, I pushed back so fucking hard about having a podcast, which is hilarious now because I'm the one who produces it. I was going to say, really it. here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Even, I remember the day when he was like, we should start a Twitter account. And I was like, fuck Twitter. Years later, we've got you know, quite a large Twitter following. So he also told me I should start a TikTok account. Three months after TikTok launched, and I was like, TikTok, schmicktok, sounds so stupid. It's not going to be a thing. Yeah, that's not going to take off. What are we talking about? So, yeah, it was Daryl's idea, and and it was kind of coming back to those resources at the time, again, being kind of that four to five American podcasters who were like, oh, yeah, you know, we just flew three hours down to Desire, and our flights were like $200 return, and blah, blah, blah. I went to this resort, and we did this, and we were like, we don't have anything like that in Australia. And it's a $5,000, $6,000 commitment for us to go to Desire, you know, and 20 seven hours on a plane kind of thing. So we just weren't experiencing the lifestyle the same way at the time the American podcasters were experiencing it, you know, with all these really close clubs and, you know, and massive clubs too. Like our local club could hold 100 people. Mm-hmm. We just weren't having that same kind of end. There were $250 a pop, by the way, to get into the club. Yeah, we just weren't having that same experience. So Daryl was saying, oh, you know, we should start a podcast and let's talk about how our journey's going as a couple that doesn't live in America with all these amazing cheap resources. And as you mentioned before, I did not call you the Swinging Down Under podcast. Yeah. So the transition from Swinging Down Under to Wonderlust was because you no longer were actually Swinging Down Under. Yeah. You know what? We kept that name when we we're in Singapore because, well, one, I loved it and I thought it was very punny. <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, well, we're still slightly beneath the equator. So we're kind of still swinging underneath down under of the equator so i kind of kept it and then when we moved to croatia i was like okay we've got to kind of get rid of this this name and that's kind of where we went how has our journey changed over the years since we first launched swinging down under and travel was a big one cultural differences approaching the lifestyle was a big one for us you know being able to say to people yes people in japan to singapore to malaysia to thailand to croatia to the uk to america all approach the lifestyle very, very differently. And so that's why we kind of brought in that cultural travel element to our name. The website still is swinging down under because I'm a cheapskate and I don't <laughs> want to get a change yet. I will say I love listening to all of your cultural tidbits and whatnot, hearing exactly how different things are at all of the different events that you go to all over the world. Because for us, 98% of our lifestyle journey has been at our local club or at our apartment. Mm. Yep. We've been to two events now and then one mm-hmm. other club. And it is a cultural shock for us going there and seeing how vastly different even people a two or three hour plane flight away uh, yeah, interact yeah, you, with You us. see that between, say, New York and San Antonio. You see actually quite a difference. And even some of the clubs around there that might get more internationals into them have a, a bit of a different feel that I've noticed. And that's coming from outside. I mean, I used to say back in my youth, like America's America, it's America. It's the same thing all over the place. Now I kind of see, you know, yeah, there's some there's some cultural differences around America. We have two clubs in our city and they are drastically different in the way that they look at the lifestyle. The one that we attend regularly is a couple centric yeah. relationship building type where people 
meet on the website, build that community, get to know each other and hugs all around as you walk in the door. While the other one is three single guys or more to every lady and them just following you around their cock out going, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's a huge variety in just our city, not to mention all over the country slash all over the world. Yeah, you do get those clubs that try to cater to different people or different kind of interests. And I think in the States, again, because you guys have one such a massive population, I mean, geographically, when you think about it, Australia and America are about the same size. Yet in Australia, we've got 27 million people, um, hence why there's not a lot of clubs. Whereas in the States, like you have so many people. And so I think it's probably a little bit harder where there is multiple clubs and cities. They're couples and, you know, they're going to do this particular theme night. Like, how are we going to differentiate ourselves? And so I kind of understand and grasp that they're going to have to think outside the box a little bit and maybe get those different ways that people approach the community. I love your Swinger Health series. I absolutely love your vaginal health and BV episode. So much so that I actually recommend it to almost every one of our friends who start talking about anything vaginal health. And I'm like, oh, you have to listen to this episode because it is really, really well done. And thank you. I just have to commend you because I've listened to so many podcasts that touch on all of the things you talked about in that episode, but didn't go nearly in depth and didn't ask the questions that you asked. And I think your line of questioning was just spot on. It just hit for me so well and it explained everything. Do you personally have an overly sensitive vulva or is it just me in that camp over here? I'm learning that I'm more sensitive and it's actually, we were just talking about this just now and I used a toy and I'm like, I think, um, yeah, I don't know if cleaner wasn't washed off of it well enough or, or, or what, but definitely having some issues from that now. And I've always been a big fan of using boric acid uh, suppositories. The only problem I have is that I try to do an entire course which then, you know, knocks me out of playing for quite some time if we want to do something during the week or I'm always looking for other ways to regulate things. And I've taken on probiotics. I started taking a really good quality probiotic and that has been huge in helping just keep things more normal. I think my pH just gets thrown off really easily by like the smallest thing. I obviously use lubes that are less abrasive or harsh with least amount of chemicals in them. And so far that's been working, but I absolutely love that episode. I really, it gave Thank me you. some good points. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I think it's not spoken about enough. And yet every woman, that I, every Volvo owner I talk to, I normally ask them, I'm like, how are you with this? And they're always like, oh, fuck nightmare. Yes. I'm like, why are people not talking about everybody? Well, not everybody, but actually, if you have a, a particularly blessed vulva, good for you, buy a lotto ticket. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get those people that have no issues. I actually had a girlfriend the other day text me and she's like, I think I just had my first UTI. She's 40. I wanted to kill her. Like, <laughs> I've had, I want to say upwards of a hundred. Like what, how are you, how are you experiencing this first time now? I was like, oh, bless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. I was no. I, yes. I did take the piss for the first little bit, and then I gave some very helpful, helpful advice after. But yeah, it's something that's not really spoken about a lot. And I think even you just mentioned the probiotics thing. You know, you hear all this stuff online: do this, do that, do this. And I, one of the things I, you know, you would have heard me ask is like, does it actually do anything? Like, it, right. are we just paying lip service to something, or is this actually going to help? Um, right. Because some of the products out there on the market, as well, especially in it's been kind of pink wash, you just don't know. Like, mm-hmm. hair and nail supplements are a great body. Do they do anything? Right. I, no. Who knows? <laughs> what was the reaction like to the health series? Because I know Nessa feels that our show has been very much just 
story-based, which is kind of lip service to the lifestyle. But for us, what we're really trying to do is spread the word of the lifestyle and just kind of show that, hey, it's not just a couple random closeted people. There are, I mean, we've interviewed over 30 couples and have no shortage of people that want to come on and tell their stories. So for me, it's, hey, we're doing what I think our job is of getting more and more people to talk about it. And then the goal is they run off and tell as many people of their episode and then it spreads from there. But she's like, we're not doing any research. We're not telling anybody anything that is going to help them learn. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to be like super blunt and transparent. It was less than half the downloads we would normally see on an average episode. However, that was not unexpected for me. You know, the instant that I'm talking about STI testing and anal swabs, um, the instant that I start talking about BV, thrush, UTIs, pH balance, like I fully expect that people are going to go, yeah, that's not for me. Because, you know, at any given time, you do have people that listen to your show for different reasons. Some people listen to it because it's more sexual fodder, right? Other people listen because they're genuinely looking at getting into the lifestyle and they want that education piece. Some people just like the stories. Some people like to hear that other people are like them. Um, You know, and then there are some people out there who truly do like the educational piece. So less than half in terms of downloads of what we normally see, but good amount of actual feedback. So, you know, again, on any given episode, how many emails do we receive? Whilst the downloads were less, the emails and the the people reaching out was significantly greater Mm -hmm. than what I've seen before. And that was people saying, thank you for talking about this or, yep, I've actually got a hormonal imbalance right now. My sex drive has been really low, but we're in the lifestyle and everybody's not talking about that. All people are talking about is the 14 person orgies, like Mm -hmm. I just mentioned, and three, four hundred people having sex by the pool. They're not talking about aging, hormones, vaginal dryness, anything like that. So they went well for the intended purpose of what I had, but, you know, we weren't breaking any records of uh, downloads with them. The downloads really don't matter on our end. What really matters is the fact that people listen to it and get something from it and it connects with people. And that's what we've discovered in a lot of the stories that our guests tell is hey, wow, that that experience is kind of like what I had. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Right. So to have an episode like that, that I know I've recommended dozens of times, and I know you've even recommended it far more than I have. Mm-hmm. So it's huge to well, have that episodes, resource. They take so long too, i got to be honest. In terms of uh, finding, you know, experts to talk about the the situation, first of all, um, but then the, the research that goes into that, like I spend hours researching everything Sorry. so I can create that interview briefing. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, especially for my experts in the States or whatever, like I sometimes got to get up at one, two in the morning. And this is all before you've even actually published the episode. Then you got right. the editing and everything else. Right. So there's a lot that goes into them. But, you know, hopefully they have the intended outreach, yeah. which is to help people. It definitely does. It doesn't go unappreciated on my end. I love hearing that amount of good quality information all in one place. Like I really, truly feel that I can recommend that vaginal health series episode to my friends and they're getting good quality information. Well, I actually have another lady that I'll be interviewing soon and she swears by a yoni she's a yoni nutritionist and she swears by dietary restrictions to actually help with your yoni so that's going to be an interesting one because again I'm like here and now tablets do they work I mean yeah. like, mm, does really does eating that particular salty food make me more acceptable to a UTI I don't know so yeah we're going to actually be doing that one soon I'm really excited for that excellent that's awesome what have been some of your favorite experiences Oh, Cup Dog is a big one for us. We were wanting to go to Cup Dog, which is in the south of France. Cup Dog itself, when people talk about it, is actually a village. So it's 40,000 people live there and visit. 
as you can imagine, super popular during the summer, less popular during winter, but people are still there because it is an actual city. It's a village, has its own mayor and everything. When you hear about Carp Dog, it still is actually, it's a bit of a mystery for a lot of people. Like we hear about the Hedos and we hear about the Desires and we hear about different resorts, mainly in the Caribbean, close to America, again, because of the podcast blog community there. Pretty rare to hear about other places around the world. You know, even Grand Canaria here has a couple of different resorts at it, which people just go, where is that? Carp Dog for us was enlightening, fun, George dropping holy shit moments we really really liked our time there just from a this is how people do it over here kind of perspective and we were watching a lot our eyeballs were falling out of our head tongue on the ground kind of just like fucking what is happening around here like have people just lost their minds what happens when you walk into this village it was crazy <laughs> i will say listening to your episode which i did twice because i was that oh my god did she really just i no, i gotta listen to this again hang on <laughs> i gotta start this over because there's no fucking way and i can totally see how that could be a eye-opening experience yeah, and it's funny because at the time, I think, maybe we were six years into swinging, seven years even, and we were like, oh, come on, we've been, you know, at the time we're like, we've done desire, we've done both of them, we've done Hedo now, we've done this, we've done that, like, oh, we've been swinging in 30 countries, like, what could they possibly tell us or show us that would surprise us holy shit i was so wrong i really had to drop my ego at the door there because i went in and i was like what gray matter on the wall let's get into some of the things that were so shocking so shocking okay so first of all we didn't realize again it's quite a mystery there you know when you go to like another resort they have a schedule of events like clearly on their website cup dog you you don't know unless you know. It's it's kind of shrouded in mystery. So we didn't know that we turned up during one of the busiest pool parties that they have on any given week. And so we turned up around lunchtime and we were staying at one of the hotels where the pool parties happen, famous pool parties. And we walk out, we're like, let's go get a burger. Music starts playing. Oh, okay, they must have a little DJ. <laughs> little DJ. <laughs> uh, we walk out in the courtyard and I kid you not, there was three or 400 people fucking by the pool in groups of five, in groups of 10 people roaming between the beds and just jumping in on the group action. There were ladies coming up and showering, pussy out, showering in the water in front of us while we sat there with our burger. It was just something that I think it's how people assume swinging is, like the public. (laughs) I think it's that all the time. And that's actually what it was. Again, that was only really during that heightened pool party. Like if you go there on another day, it's not as shocking, but we just, again, happened to walk in. On one of the busiest days, one of the most raging pool parties and at its peak. And I think we just went, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) And then we thought, shit, we are in over our heads, mate. Like, what have we done? And I remember you talking about that reaction, like, holy shit, we we have gone somewhere a little beyond our comfort zone. Oh, yeah. What was the reaction of people around as you were more mouth agape, eyes bugging out of your head? I honestly don't think they actually even noticed us. I, legitimately. If occasionally like a glance over of like, look at these people fully clothed in your burger, aren't they fucking weird? And you're <laughs> to whatever they were doing on the bed. And, you know, we kind of got the hang of it the next couple of days. But that was one of the big pool parties. And I think two or three days later, there was another big pool party. And by that time, we're like, right, we'll get there early. We'll put our towels out. We'll sit around. We'll get some drinks. We'll invite people over to our bed like we kind of tried to sink in and, and really embrace the atmosphere even though in the back of our heads we're like holy shit holy shit holy shit holy shit they're walking towards us holy shit holy shit holy shit you know? <laughs> yeah 
So what was your favorite moment there? Oh, there's so many. One of them was actually Daryl and I. So we went to one of the beachside, I don't know what you would call it, like a bar, restaurant, fancy lounge, beachside place that, you know, you have to pay to have a lounger at, kind of very Vegas in that way. We sat there very refined, actually. I think we got a cheese platter and I think we might have been sitting there for some champagne, naked. And we were watching all the different guys in the, it's called the uh, Bay de Cochon, it means the the Bay of Pigs, roaming around in packs of 20 and 30, going and forming circles around people fucking on the beach. And we were just there, again, very refined, eating our cheese platter and drinking our champagne, watching all of that unfold. That's probably one of my favorite moments. I absolutely love the fact that the two moments that you described are you guys sitting back watching things happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even specifically something you guys did. It's an experience that you were able to just sit back and watch. Yeah. And just see what other people were doing. I mean, Daryl has a fantasy that involves a lot of men. So Daryl's mind, he's like, okay, if Kate went down there right now and started like touching her <laughs> pussy, there'd be 30 guys all wanking around her. And so I think he was probably in a slightly different mindset. He was like, okay, if Kate has more glasses of champagne and three more pieces of cheese. You might be feeling frisky enough to go down there, you know, so probably. My mind isn't there at all right now. I was going to say, I was like, that sounds exactly like you. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm thinking is when should we actually go there? How long before I can convince you? You It's it's, it's a a lot. I I have friends and even then I'm like, I don't know whether you guys could actually handle this, you know, and that's not from a ego arrogance air. That's just me going like, if we and we're pretty open-minded. We've, you know, we like to see a lot of things and, and experience a lot of things. And if we were there going, holy shit, what the fuck? Then I can imagine my friends just being like, what? And just cowering, you know, a little bit. It is something that is super, super special. It's really unique anywhere around the world. I don't care what you say about Hedo, what you say about Desire. You get people that love them. You get people that hate them. They're the same thing. You know, they're a lifestyle resort where you're there and you don't leave. Cup Dog is, is very different. Do you have a all-time favorite swinger moment? Not really, you know, because like there's, there's been so many different experiences that we've had. So I remember the first time we were, we were with a single guy and, and having that feeling of excitement, guilt, shame, excitement, worry, excitement, what do I do, performance issues, all of that sort of stuff. So that was really special. And then we've had a 14-person orgy and that was really special. Fabulous group play and puppy piles and bringing the new year in, having sex with our friends, you know. So there's been so many experiences. I just don't think I could put a pin in one and say best one ever. And that is the problem because in a way they kind of blend together, but they're so different mm-hmm. that these are all fantastic moments. But to go, oh, this one's way better than all the other ones is really difficult, which is kind of why we like getting people right as they're starting out because yeah. they go, oh, I do remember that time where we first had that single guy or, oh, our first full swap was this. And then watching them chase those moments has been a lot of yes. fun. So chasing those experiences, you know, new relationship energy, you see it a lot, NRE, and people are generally talking about it from a perspective of you meet a person or a couple in the lifestyle and you get this euphoric new relationship energy. I think it actually happens lifestyle period. You know, you kind of can go a bit crazy in those initial like months or year where you're like going to the club super often, going on dates super often, looking up house parties, looking up anything that you can possibly get your hands on because you are chasing those highs and those experiences. Whereas now I think one of the things we've learned is we don't do that. You know, we just try to be a little bit more chill about the circumstances. And yes, we have expectations. Another thing I like to say to people in lifestyle is that anybody who tells you actually don't have expectations, I would like to have a conversation with them about it because, and I'll tell you why, not having <laughs> Let's begin because that is what we say all the time. <laughs> okay, fine. You just spent five grand on a holiday. You're going to tell me you don't have any expectations? Fucking bullshit. What you want is a bare minimum, no travel delays, that'd be great, 
Um, but at a bare minimum, you want to have a great time with your spouse, right? Experiencing something new. You might want to meet some new people that are nice and friendly, not assholes. Those are all expectations, right? So when somebody says to me, don't have expectations, I'm like, actually, I have the opposite. I want you to have expectations. I want you to walk in, want to have a good time, be in the mindset of having a good time, having spoken to your partner about maybe some of your desires, wants and interests so that, again, your partner can be a wing person. Have a great expectation for a good time. Now, yes, probably don't have an expectation of, I'm going to find 14 guys and go for a gangbang. Have it in the back of your mind, but it might not happen. It may happen. That's where I think it draws the line a little bit. But I'm a big, big fan. Have expectations because we probably well should have. And I love the idea of those expectations. It's like you said, the people with the expectations of, okay, we're going in here and we're going to fuck and that's going to be, we're going to find these people and we're going to have the best sex of our life. And the second we find that people plan that is the second that they have a horrible time and don't do anything. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where it comes down to, again, that conversation with your partner, like letting them know what you're hoping for. They can be your wing person, but yeah, at the end of the day, it may or may not happen, right? You may be going out for that 14 person gangbang and you might find 10 guys uh, instead of 14. So, you know, ups and downs all around. (laughs) There was a moment there where I thought we might be getting in a heated debate with Kate about expectations. The, the way it was phrased was like, hey, you know what? I know you guys say no expectations, but we disagree. And to be clear, when we say no expectations, I think we said almost exactly what Kate said in the sense of the sexual part of having expectations when you attend an event. And absolutely, she's 100% right. When you're spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to go to a resort and you're going to spend several days there, you should have some sort of expectation, some sort of checklist, some bar that you hold yourself to that you will follow through on because otherwise you're going to regret your entire trip. You're going to stand in a corner. You're not going to meet people. You're Yes, to some extent, you have to set the bar to where you want it to be while walking into any event, even if it's a local club. She says, but that's part of the conversation that you have with your partner. That's the very key point here. You have that conversation with your partner before walking into an event and you both know what page each one is on and what the expectations are, what you're looking for that night. Now, setting the expectation for us is more of a don't set your expectations so high that when When it doesn't happen, because it's not always a given that it will happen, that you're so let down that you'll never again return to another lifestyle event or function ever again, because you're so frustrated that what you wanted to happen didn't happen. And we're more saying approach it as a take it as it comes kind of thing, because maybe something else comes your way and you're not going to notice that if your expectation is set for something else completely. We are very much on the same page as... As Kate with the expectations, we just phrase it differently. Well, as far as I'm concerned, every time we walk in the club and somebody says, hey, how are you doing? It's always, I'm fantastic. I'm here. If you go to a sex club or an event like this and aren't having fun and aren't meeting fantastic people, then you're probably at the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And I also want to note the difference between going to your local sex club on a Saturday night where you've maybe driven an hour out of your way versus planning an entire lifestyle vacation or trip and the differences between what those expectations should be. Are you going to meet your expectations at a sex club on a random weekend night 
what's the possibility of that happening versus you meeting your expectations at a lifestyle resort or hotel takeover where maybe your options are much more and or the situation is set up in such a way that those things can happen. Fair enough. (laughs) One way that it sounds that Kate and Daryl have ensured that they're more looking at their hopes for an event or their expectations for an event is that they're not constantly trying to find the new high or get the new relationship energy that they had at one point, or they're not trying to beat out the last experience, or at least so it doesn't sound. And again, she talks about having that conversation with your partner. What I've noticed from the interviews that we've had with all of our couples is that the new relationship energy or the new experience energy is something that really drives you in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then as you realize that's what it is, it's not necessarily something you absolutely need anymore. Now you can almost approach things with a more clear head and say, okay, I want this particular experience. I want this particular type of relationship with my swinger friends. You're not necessarily looking to just upstand yourself on your last experience. Now, see, for me, it is the friendships that last past that new relationship energy where, hey, yeah, the sex was fantastic. The first time it was really hot, building all that up. Second time, ooh, that was even better. Look at us. Hey, you know what? You guys are actually really fun to hang out with. This is something we need to do more than once or twice. Let's keep this friendship going. That's when I get really excited about a couple that we found. At the same time, I do also thoroughly enjoy the new relationship energy, which is why I still enjoy meeting new couples and seeing where that goes and finding new friends to continue to explore along the way. When we've interviewed couples who have been in the lifestyle many, many years and have been doing this for a long time, one thing that we've noticed is that you can't ask the question of what was your favorite experience. I mean, you can. But typically, (laughs) the answer is something like, oh, I can't pick just one. And that's very much how Kate answered it in the sense that they all have some sort of special meaning. I find the same is true with us as we go further and further down this journey. I think back to all our experiences and I find it difficult to say this particular one is my all-time favorite when so many experiences have meant something to me in one way or another. And they've all been different, how they've meant something special to me, but they've been a huge part of our journey, a huge part of our growing. It does. It makes it very difficult to just pick one. It has been an interesting struggle trying to get people that have been in the lifestyle to talk about their good stories. They always tend to fall back on the, oh my God, I remember this one because this happened and I remember this one because that crazy thing happened. Those tend to be the best, oh, I can't wait to share this story with my lifestyle friend story. Yes. But We need to go back to the beginning of the episode because we have kind of dug from the back. Let's go back to the start. I totally forgot to mention that she is also one of the two hosts of the Hot Wife Diaries podcast as well. Another one that I really enjoy because that's where she gets together with another friend and they share their hot wife stories with each other and experiences that they've had. It's always a fun listen for me. Yeah. And her accent. Oh my God. I'm a sucker for accents. You know that. Yeah. But Australian accents, English, and you know, pretty much any Eastern Hemisphere accent I'm really turned on by. So, and then again, and I was going to say, and then anybody from the South. 
mouth and yeah pretty pretty much anything below <laughs> i think anything that's not yeah, american yeah well no even what about canadians don't you like canadians accents? yeah and i kind of have a thing for that whole fargo accent too so anybody that sounds different than me that's fantastic i'll i'll listen to you talk all day they got started because daryl asked her what are your sexual fantasies i'm amazed that some people don't have those sexual fantasies well, I feel like I am one of those people. And it amazes me every fucking time you say it. It's just prior to you, my life wasn't about sex. It was about all of the other things I was doing. And then sex was just a piece of it. It was just something that I did in my life. It wasn't something that I strived to improve upon. My life didn't revolve around when I was going to have sex next, what I was going to do in the bedroom, it was, okay, well, when we have time to do this, this might be fun. And we did this and yeah, it was fun and moving on and everything else in life took precedence. Mm -hmm. So to have to think up a fantasy was just more effort into that piece of my life that wasn't really, to me at that time, very important. As you were talking, I was sitting here trying to think of an age where I didn't have some sort of sexual fantasy blowing through my mind on any given day. And I got all the way back to at least 12, and I'm sure it was before that, mm -hmm. that I just, something will hit my mind and go, yeah, that'd be kind of hot. Funny that you mentioned Google search for fantasies and the top fantasies, because I was listening to another podcast not too long ago that had mentioned what the top fantasies were, and I was very surprised by it. So I did the same Google search, because I was like, eh, is this just the first article or what? And I went article after article after article. I was amazed by how many of of the top fantasies were voyeuristic, exhibitionist, multiple partners, group sex, even a hot wifing type situation. Mm -hmm. Some of the websites that had percentages on these things, it just shocked me. Of all things that you and I would say fall into the lifestyle category and into the swinger category, which again amazed me at the time of why this community isn't bigger and why it's still so unaccepted. Well, and therein lies my argument of some fantasies for some people are just that and they want them to stay there. They want them to be fantasies and to be unattainable because attaining it would mean that you have to replace that fantasy or attaining it would mean that you might run the chance of ruining that fantasy. And I like the idea of having a fantasy and keeping it a fantasy. I, I like the idea of my perfect fantasy world playing out just the way it's supposed to and then my real world being real and not that. But to me, that's like going, well, I have these great places I'd like to visit, but I'm never going to go there because then I might not like that place. It's, hey, I'm going to go to that place and I'm going to see what it's like. And then maybe there's another place that I want to go to. Yeah. It's difficult for me to accept the, oh, I don't want to make a fantasy come true because A, I don't want to replace it or B, it's not going to live up to what your expectation of that fantasy is. Yeah. It's kind of like, if it doesn't, you know what? Maybe it was the wrong people. Maybe it was the wrong fantasy. Let's modify and see where it can go. But Kind of this... like if you go on a trip and you have a bad time, it doesn't mean that city's shit. It just means that eh, maybe I didn't do the right things there. This coming from the person who has a lot of fantasies, you just said you can't 
track back to a time before your memory goes Mm -hmm. to a time where you didn't come up with some sort of fantasy. For me, I build a fantasy in my head for a very long time at this point in my life where before I didn't have a single fantasy. Now, the fantasies that I am coming up with are very intricate. They're very, very specific. It's not just a, oh, I want to see two girls kiss. Check. No, it's not that. You know, my fantasies very much involve me, very much involve how I feel, what will happen, where my brain will go during that particular time. And if I attempt to play out my fantasy being as intricate as it is, as detailed as it is in real life, and for that to go sideways for me will ruin it. I can't even go back to it as spank bank material. I can't even go back to it because now all I have to go on is, yeah, if this really played out, it would fall flat. It would not be this. But instead of just going, well, maybe if I tweak it here and here, it's just dead. I mean, it's the same as why do women read smut and erotica stuff? Because that stuff doesn't happen in real life. It's because you can go to this fantasy land and take yourself there and it all happens and it's wonderful and it's great. And then you come back to real life and sure, I mean, you get a fantastic orgasm or you, you're really turned on and, and everything goes well. But no, it's never going to be the stable boy who's hot and sweaty but somehow smells magically delicious like (laughs) you know like I don't know (laughs) I'm just saying that you can't fantasy world and real world will never be exactly the same and some people like to keep their fantasies a fantasy I'm not saying that you have to I'm just saying some people want it that way and I am one of those people I have very specific fantasies that I know for sure 100% will never reach their fantasy potential in real life. And maybe that's because you spend too much time building and building and building on them because they're so intricate now that it would be impossible for them to live but up to that But that's just how my fantasy for, works. For masturbation materials, I get that. I can totally see where that goes. I have one fantasy with you that I have played out so many times in my head that it is a very, very specific and intricate process that the way I have built it, I know full well could never possibly happen, but I know portions of it happening would still be not just as hot, but still pretty fucking hot. Speaking of fantasies, I had not thought about my wet and messy or splooshing fantasy. I really thought that you knew what splooshing was when she said it. And I was like, oh man, I'm the only, I am the odd person out here. I do not know what splooshing was. I thought I was going to have to take like context clues and figure it out. But when she said splooshing, I automatically assumed it was a bukkake party or something like that. But to find out that it's the wet and messy food. I can't do food. Ev- oh, I can't. There, I-, I don't know if it stems from me watching Double Dare nonstop as a kid or what, but just the whole idea of somebody covered and stuff and just the slippery, just messy, gross. Oh, it's so a fantasy that I have never been able to live out. The closest I've come is the whole whipped cream thing. See, the whipped cream thing, that's where I go, nope, because long time ago in eighth grade, on the last day of school, we would have a water balloon or a water fight at somebody's house and it was always somebody picked 
their front yard and we would just all go there and have at it. The year that we graduated eighth grade, we decided that we weren't going to just do water balloons. We were also going to do whipped cream. Why we decided whipped cream in June when it was hot was probably not a good idea. But, you know, we were eighth graders. We didn't know any better. We all smelled like vomit. It was disgusting. So this is where my anti-splooshing would come in. And I'm sorry, I'm not yucking someone's yum. But for me, it is not a yum. All I can think of is the smell of vomit. And then same as what Kate said with the you can't have sugars and starches and stuff around around the vagina. It's just spells bad news for me. So you're not going to oh, ruin thanks. my fantasy. And I sorry, one day I'm going to find somebody who's into the whole wet and messy thing. And I might get to have that little bit of fun. And I will stand on the sidelines and cheer you I, on. And <laughs> I actually think that today at some point I am going to pull up some wet and messy videos because I remember I used to look at those hours a day. And I'll find like a clear Just, raincoat to wear too. And, and that's fine. <laughs> this leads into how everyone is turned on differently. Yes. And it's not so much yucking someone's yum unless you are that person that, oh my God, what you're doing is gross. How dare you stop doing that? And we spent a lot of time in the club. Have you ever heard someone stop somebody because they felt what they were doing was wrong or disgusting? No, I've never seen anybody actually stop a scene or anything in public because they didn't like what they saw. I will say it is about an amount of respect for it as well. So what? It doesn't turn you on, but that doesn't mean you stand by and talk loudly with your friends and completely ruin their experience. You know, there is a certain amount of respect that you should be giving to people who are performing in public. That takes a certain amount of confidence. I myself have been guilty of saying, ouch, over the top during a BDSM scene where I'm watching someone get paddled, flogged, or whatever. You originally used to be guilty of it as well, but now you're the one who's quick to go, knock it off, shut up. Yeah. And this last time that it happened, I was like, I said it one time, I was like, oh, I really should. Shit comes out of your mouth that shouldn't at points. You're 100% right. In those scenarios where people are putting themselves on display, putting themselves out there for people to have an opportunity to see something that they don't normally get to see, show some respect. If you want to watch it, hang out, wait, great. Watch it peacefully, quietly. At the end, let them know, hey, that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And if it's not your thing, move on. No one's chaining you to the floor, forcing you to watch it, unless that's your thing. And I think this is where the lifestyle being an accepting place gets a little bit like a gray area because while I am very accepting of everything in the lifestyle, or at least I feel I'm very accepting of everything in the lifestyle, it doesn't mean that everything in the lifestyle turns me on. Right. It doesn't mean that everything in the lifestyle or everything in a sex club is going to be something that I want to see or stand around and watch. And I'm not being disrespectful by leaving a room where there is maybe something happening that doesn't doesn't turn me on. You know, if I see somebody hawk a loogie on somebody, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to leave the room. It's just not my thing. If it's theirs, great. All the more power to you. And I hope there are people standing around watching that are turned on by it and think it's just as hot and sexy. It's just not mine. So I'm going to walk out of the room. That's not me not accepting you. That's me accepting you and saying, also accept me because that's not my thing. Kate brought up the go to the club and 
and be a wallflower versus check out the dating sites and try to meet some couples and have some conversation. I think having the two options are very much dependent on your personality. Yeah. And also what you're looking to get out of it. Having the multiple different angles that you can approach this and that there is no set way to start is one of the fantastic things about the lifestyle and the fantastic things about the fact that everybody has something different that they're looking for. If you just want to be in a sexual atmosphere, if you just want a chance to watch other people play, if you want a chance to have other people watch you play, if you're just curious and want to check it out and see what it's about, trust me, if you're standoffish and don't look like you want people to come talk to you, people are not going to come talk to you. But if at the same time, what you really want is you want to meet some new people, you want to experience things with other couples, you want to experience things with other people, you can go to a website and meet new people and just start those conversations and see where they go. It's going to take a little bit more time than if you just didn't land at a club and grow your comfort level, but there are options for everyone to be able to do that. I personally had to laugh when she said she put on her bikini to go into the hot tubs, which I feel like that to- that would have been me. That would have been me the first time we were at a club because I wore the most sluttiest Halloween outfit I had ever worn in my entire life. And when I walked into the club, I was the most covered. You were adorable. <laughs> it, was, it was so cute. And don't say you were the most covered because I was in a giant furry costume. Well, so. I mean, as far as the women went, I was pretty that well covered. I would agree with that. Yeah. Glad you brought up the, your first time. What were your rules? going into the club that first time or the expectations if you will we were okay with soft swap type things uh we didn't know what to expect either so we didn't know if we were going to even meet anybody we knew we weren't quite ready for a full swap yet that was pretty much it i mean we really didn't discuss many specifics but knowing what you did your first night in the club then that means that no you did not exceed your rules or exceed your expectations you actually fell a little bit short of where you were ready to go. Also, not having ever been at that club and never knowing exactly, again, here's where your expectations have to line up with your event because in this particular event, there was, what, 500 plus people? How many rooms did she have? She had eight rooms at the time, yes. When you put that into real world happenings, the chances of us brand newbies getting into a room, meeting somebody, having such great conversation. Plus the, it was so crowded. It was shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's so many people and the music was so terribly loud. There was no way we were going to, as newbies, meet somebody and create a connection in that environment. So much so that we would have even gotten into a room. I don't think. Now we met great people and had great connections, but we developed those connections further outside of the club. Now it sounds like they are making checklists before events very similar to what we do. Well, she talks about them having the conversation of what their hopes are for the weekend or for the event that they're about to attend. And I really like that because while ours are sometimes, we're calling them a checklist, but ultimately it's usually you telling me your hopes for what you want to see me do, but <laughs> yep. I like the idea of calling it hopes because it's like, yeah, I really hope this happens or I'm hoping to see this. I like that because it doesn't necessarily mean, in my mind, a checklist has to get done. In my mind, I want to make sure that I knock off all of the things on the checklist. And while I see you over there, be like, yeah, let's not call <laughs> now, it hopes. Now it we are checklist. calling all it right. a checklist. <laughs> 
but I don't like the idea of the pressure behind that being that, oh, this is my checklist. I'm going to get this done. There's a single guy right now. I don't care who it is, but I need a single guy to do this and I'm going to go grab this one and I don't care right. what, that, you know, gets in my way or anything else. I that's don't where like I feel that. expectations cross the line where yeah. you're like, well, hang on. No, we're here to do this. We're going to do it. I don't care who we do it with. That's when you're setting yourself up yeah. to fail big time. Yeah. We are fortunate enough that we have not really experienced Kate and Daryl's difficulties in the lifestyle. We have not had very many friends fall out of the lifestyle. We've only had one couple actually move away, mm -hmm. and that's Dominic and Ariel. And we actually see them more now that they moved away than we did before <laughs> they left. I, I landed on an airplane with them the other day. Didn't even know they were going to be on the damn plane. Yeah. We have noticed Dominic and Ariel's struggle since they've moved away. And they've talked to us quite a bit about having to rebuild their lifestyle community where they moved to and trying to figure it out and try to figure out the clubs there because they're very different than the clubs here. And the people are a little bit different and maybe more flaky and they live closer to towns that are traveled too frequently. So they run into more of that. We're on vacation and we just want a one time bing, bang, boom. And then they never see them again. We've been so fortunate that we've been able to build friendships and our own little community amongst our friends here where we are. And it makes it very difficult for us to go out and do other things outside of home because we don't have that security blanket. We don't have that knowing everybody. Not, well, not even knowing everybody, just but just knowing that handful of people and seeing familiar faces and understanding how a club works. When we walk into a foreign place, anywhere that we haven't been, it's a whole new world all over again. And I can't even imagine going from one country to another. I mean, that's just like one state to the next here. But for them, they were countries yes. <laughs> apart, at completely different worlds, uh, different cultures. And to be faced with those kinds of struggles it boggles my mind. I can't I couldn't even imagine remaining in the lifestyle through all of that. I complimented Kate on her Swingers Health series on their podcast. She talked about how much work it is to put together one of those episodes, and it truly shows. I've listened to plenty of health podcasts. I'm not just Swinger Health, but health in general podcasts, and it always blows my mind when I hear information come across that is very clearly not researched, and it is just a simple, like somebody just hit Google search and what's the top, you know, red flags for this or whatever. And then they just repeat it on a podcast. And to me, it just frustrates me to no end because what a waste of my time. I could do that. I can Google. I'm very capable. I want to hear the questions that I would ask as a swinger. And that is exactly what Kate does. She comes at it with the perspective of being a woman, being a swinger, having had the experiences that she's had, knowing that our lifestyle is very different than Joe Schmo coming in to the doctor's office who doesn't have sex on the weekends with 14 people in an orgy setting or more or switching sexual partners every other weekend. And I just absolutely love that she asks the questions that we would ask. It's hard to find podcasts that are researched to that degree within the lifestyle. I agree completely. Not even just within the lifestyle, just podcasts in general. In general. The ones that do very well are the ones that 
do put that time in to put that effort in and she definitely does. Yeah. Well, we don't put the effort in beforehand to our podcast. A lot of our effort comes after. Mm-hmm. We hear somebody's story, we listen to it, and we try to pull out what we can that people can connect with. I pull out the things that I connect with personally because that's where I feel I can speak to the greatest. You pull out the things that you feel are worth discussing, and that's where our unzippings came from. We're hopeful that our podcast connects with people on those levels the same way, is that they can pull from it what they most connect with and hopefully maybe learn something along the way. We're not really an educational podcast, but I know that people have learned some things along the way. Little things here and there. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not a full informative. It is definitely more story-based, Yes, but hopefully in hearing other people's stories, people can gain knowledge of other experiences. Yes, some and insight into the world maybe before they even get into it. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of the world and yes. kind of going back onto what you had previously said about us struggling to go other places where our close-knit community isn't at. Yes. I totally looked up rental houses in CapDoc because I know if you and I were to consider going there one day that we have a large number of friends that would be like, what the fuck? You mean you didn't go with us? You didn't ask us to go? So I could see a group of us going together and trying to experience this in a way together. Yeah. With some safety blankets. Bring our community with us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bring our safety blankets with us. I like that. CapDog is intriguing on so many levels and like absolutely frightening all at the same time. (laughs) I have no doubt that my intent would be to go there and watch while every bit of the inside of me would be going, please do something, Nessa. Please do something, Nessa. Please do something, Nessa. (laughs) The hopes that you would just be so turned on that you'd be like, I'm here. I have to live this. Yeah. When's the next time I can come back here? It's not a short flight for us to get there. No. So this is where it kind of falls into, hey, if they're flying from Australia to Hito, there's some shit that's going down. Right. If we're flying from here to France, we might have to live it up and see where it goes and go, all right, well, maybe not again, and maybe we shouldn't have done that, but eh, all right. Well, she briefly mentions having friends that were intrigued by the idea of it, but then also at the same time thinking that maybe those friends weren't quite a good fit and maybe would be too much for them. I kind of have to think that we could be those people who it might not be a good fit. But I also think that we have some friends that it would be a great fit for, which is how we could safely sit back and watch and hang out with a group of people that are very active. I guess. I guess. It's definitely a very big mixture of emotions thinking about it. Excitement to fear. (laughs) Or fear to excitement. I don't know which way it is. (laughs) Hopefully excitement. Anyway, Kate said one thing. Blew right past it like it was no big fucking deal. But I now have a life goal and I need to be the mayor of some type of swinger nudist community. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for a hump day quick. We hope this brought you some midweek excitement. If you have your own confession you'd like to share with us and our audience, please call 844-4HUMPDAY and leave us a message. Can't wait to hear your sexy story.